Welcome to Mock It. Liz is a user experience strategist turned project manager committed to human-centered driven approaches and results. She has worked on 20 plus higher education, government, and client-facing websites and software platforms, creating long-lasting user-focused digital solutions. Liz is devoted to equity and strives to celebrate diversity and inclusion in the industry and beyond. Marie is a former visual designer turned agile-loving, human-centered design advocate. They have helped government organizations for almost a decade build successful digital products by aligning cross-functional teams around a deep understanding of the user at the heart of their mission. Marie is passionate about improving user experiences while achieving business objectives in harmony. They are also a strong advocate for women in STEM. Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Marie. And this is Mock It, a podcast sponsored by MetroStar, where we take a deep dive look into UX design, trending design topics, and chatting with our friends in the field. Let's get started. So season three. Yeah. I know. I know. It's very (laughs) exciting. Uh, It's it's a dream. Whirlwind that we're here. Uh, So for our listeners, we wanted to give a heads up of some new things that you're going to see as part of our season three. So with that, uh, in the past, you've seen either the two of us just dive right into a topic or the two of us dive into a topic with a guest. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do is we're still going to be having guests, but uh, shorten the interview times with their guests and then use the first 10 minutes to do industry updates, updates from past episodes, uh, any any fun updates that we have going on, and then uh, any new tips or tricks that we think uh, are valuable for our listeners. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for this uh, additional format that we'll be trying out. And with that, I think you have a fun industry update to share. Yes. So with that, um, this last week on the 15th of November, um, I attended the ACT I ACT CX Summit, which ACT I ACT is the American Council for Technology Industry Advisory Council. <laughs> right. That's a mouthful. Um, but it was a super awesome summit. Um, and then the Act I Act is for our listeners, if they want to know, it's a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization established to improve government through the effective and innovative application of technology. So this year's summit, so right, we're talking about innovation, application of technology, was really highlighting how to operationalize the president's management agenda. Um, Very cool. Right? So I was really interested, right? We just had the executive order come out earlier this year. So really seeing like what, how, you know, who, what, where, when, how do we really initiate and start to actually put what was in that order into practice. Um, So a couple of big things just as a recap that they covered were it's prioritizing the human. So prioritizing the American citizen. Um, It's helping to give folks who aren't in customer experience um, So, right, to go back, CX Summit is Customer Experience Summit. Um, Those who don't have the language to talk about it, to be empowered to look to those who are in that field and then for those in the field to help educate and give folks the language to use. So, really, it's taking a really good hard look at ourselves in CX, human-centered design, and how do I break it down, plain language for anyone, you know, so it could be an over-the-dinner topic you know, or over coffee or whatever activity. Um, And then thirdly is also they really focused on the OMB Section A11-280, which 
from a UX perspective, um, it's part of it that really formalizes and keeps that executive order will continue to go um, no matter, you know, another president is elected or even the same presidential party is in office and, you know, different priorities. But there is a whole set of um, how do we continue to uh, define, judge, observe, evaluate that the technologies that we are putting out for the American people are coming off transparently, are building trust, um, and a really good set of criteria for agencies to continue to look um, at themselves and the and the applications that they are building. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yes. And oh my gosh, I feel like how I just went through it was also how the day was. It was a pact of information. It was one talk after another talk after another. It was awesome. Um, and I would say definitely worth going in following years. So a couple of quick questions. Yeah. Uh, where was it? It was in D.C. Um, this year was at the Renaissance Hotel. I don't know if it's always there, um, but it's local to D.C. at least. Got it. Which is where we're based for this podcast. <laughs> and then uh, how, what was like the demographics? Was it like, ha like half, um, half agency, half, um, like, like what, what was the breakdown of who the attendees were? Yeah. So I don't know if that specific yeah. information is out, but it was definitely a mix of um, federal employees and industry folks. Um, it was really nice. Instead of doing like lecture style with like rows of chairs, they had a bunch of tables. Oh. So while, right, when there's a speaker or a panelist, everyone's facing towards the stage. In between, it was nice, right? Like you're all facing into the center and right, it forces just like collaboration, chatting, like, you know, small talk or, you know, as far as you want to get into sharing um, about what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, at our table, we had all industry people, um, but like the table, it was, they were really close in like a not so close way, but you know, if you like turn your chairs this way and that, um, so then there was like federal agencies there as well. Um, there was also a breakout session. So then you got to mix again oh, that's cool. um, with folks. So I'd say it was pretty diverse, maybe 50-50. Uh, but it was really cool and interesting just to talk to others in the field. Oh, that's awesome. And then uh, you already said that you it's just going next year. Yeah. Um, I, I know that we sort of started getting some information about this maybe an end of summer for trying to think for for next year when people should start looking out probably like early fall i would say we probably came out like september -ish. okay i feel like i had two months to get my act in order <laughs> you know to like get the day off find out if anyone else was going um yeah awesome no the, uh thanks thanks for that update uh and then um thanks for yeah, that plug for next year. I'm like, oh, next year I got to mark that on my calendar. Yeah, it was, I mean, I can't say enough about it. I found it very informative. Um, I think it I think it definitely compared to, so I'm used to going to conferences about design or anything, but right, they're all usually more commercially focused, um, which makes sense, right? Like if you go to Adobe Summit or anything. Um, so this was really cool to get that same kind of information, but relatable to the problems, the concerns, the areas that matter um, in the public sector. So I think maybe that's why I'm like so pumped about it. Um, but so it was really cool to experience that. Um, and there was relatable challenges. Like there was a whole conversation about um, 
the PRA, which is the Paper Reduction Act, and the impact that that has on on getting uh, usability tests done or user um, interactions, because uh, there's a whole process to re- make sure that the government isn't inundating the public. But then also now we have these orders that are like, oh, you need to find out, though, how is your service helping the public? So there's a good discussion on that and how that process is improving. That's, that's super cool. Very, very uh, real-world application. Yeah. Well, thanks for that update. I really appreciate you sharing that. And hopefully uh, I'll go next year and our listeners will yeah. get a chance to go next year. So with that, let's head into our interview. For sure. So uh, for uh, our first guest of season three, we have Allison. She's a graphic design extraordinaire who also dabbles in the world of UX by designing and updating MetroStars website. From beautiful PowerPoints and creative social media graphics to creating swag for the company, she's got her hand in most things design-related at MetroStar. Welcome, Allison. Uh, for today's episode, you're going to be sharing about MetroStar's corporate social responsibility and our CARES program, which I'll have you verify, but stands for Collaborative Action of Responsible Employees for Society. So welcome, Allison. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your career at MetroStar? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, My name's Allison. I'm the principal designer on MetroStar's marketing team. And like Liz said, I definitely have my hands in a lot of things, whether people like it or not. I kind of (laughs) get to yell at people if they are misusing the brand or if they're stretching the logo. I've never actually yelled at someone, but um, I usually just go in and change it myself. <laughs> just kind of making sure the brand stays cohesive and consistent. Um, I get to do anything from making stickers for fun events to making proposal graphics. So it's definitely a wide range of things that I get to do. Um, help with presentations, get to make t-shirts. It's kind of all over the place, but definitely keeps me on my toes. Oh, actually fun fact. You and Marie worked on the Mocket logo. No, that was all Allison. Oh, all Allison. I just asked her to make my hair more crazy curly. More volume. <laughs> that was all. That was fun. Dabbling in everything. I honestly forgot that I did that. <laughs> uh, so I'm super stoked because um, I definitely love when we do design episodes because I feel like I learn a ton from Marie and whoever our other um, design expert is. So thank you for being here. We are super stoked and I am excited to learn from both of you for this episode. Uh, so to kick us off, we're going to be doing a round of uh, rapid fire questions for you. So if you were to describe your personal design style in a few words, uh, uh, what would you use for yourself personally? And then how would you describe Metro Star style in a few words? Um, my personal style, I would say uh, goofy, cartoony. Um, and then for Metro Star style, professional. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was going to say, like, Allison, I love your personal style. I also love what you do for Metro Star, but right, it is more professional. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Allison has a wonderful Instagram handle to oh. check out for her goofy, fun cartoons. Um, okay. They're well, very humorous, too, with the content, <laughs> the little yeah, things. Yeah, I can't, can't really do all of those for Metro Star. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I'm going to just uh, find that on uh, Insta later. Right. Except for the chicken. Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. 
Uh, thanks for that. And then I know where I'm going to, I'm going to stock you later on social media. So be prepared <laughs> for that. <laughs> uh, oh, um, we talked, we, um, also want to mention that during some of the PowerPoint presentations, your dog does, uh, make appearances a lot. So I, I love anytime you do PowerPoints. I think that is a great, uh, makes me really, really happy. Cause like as people, I'm obsessed with my dog. So <laughs> yeah, he's, he's my sweet baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what tools do you love to use and what tools do you think aren't worth the hype? Um, for that question, it's actually the same program. I love and hate Adobe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use Adobe Illustrator for pretty much 80% of everything that I do, maybe even more than that. Um, but it's got its quirks. I feel like it doesn't crash as much as it used to, but I feel like the collaboration on it isn't ideal. But I have been really liking Figma lately for collaboration, um, trying to get into that more. Yeah. I mean, Figma is definitely worth the hype. Um, I love it. I'm obsessed Absolutely with worth it. the hype. Yeah. yeah. I, I looked at you. I was like, Mer- Mary's got this. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard any bad things about Figma. Everyone loves it. Right. Just we're seeing now since it got sold to Adobe. But <laughs> Adobe! <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So then uh, what are some uh, designers you admire at the moment? Um, Back to Figma. Uh, There's someone (laughs) on Instagram who does uh, really great Figma tutorials like on Instagram Reels. And I I think they're like really small bite-sized tidbits that are just like really useful because I don't really know how to use Figma yet. Um, His name is Xander Whitehurst. And I think he's in the UK. But I found him on Instagram, and he's just got great videos, great tips for a figure. Nice. Does he have kind of long, like, shorter yeah. hair? Yeah, you've and probably he, like, seen him. Yeah. He, like, yeah, zooms glasses. in somehow or something. Like, he has some, like, move. Yeah. yeah. He's always, like, super fast. And then he, yeah, like, that's what it is. really fast. Yeah, um, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> I really like his videos. And then um, another artist I like on Instagram, she does really stunning, like, 3D illustrations. Um using Blender and Cinema 4D, which I would love to learn. So that's also like really cool to just look at. And I just, yeah, there's so many artists on Instagram that I'm just like, wow, that is talent. <laughs> I agree. See, this is why I love the design episodes. I feel like yeah, I just get to, are fun. yeah, like everyone's in their element and I just get to learn. So this is awesome. Uh, and then uh, kind of a uh, sidekick question, uh, where do you find your inspiration? Instagram, Dribble is really great. Um, Reddit, also good. Picture books, um, or any books, really. Pictures are also. Picture books are just amazing for all sorts of reasons. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for being on our, our uh, podcast today. So uh, while we've kind of gotten a quick shot at uh, who you are as a designer and, and sort of your inspiration and how you uh, – get to be so creative. Um, we invited you onto the podcast to also talk about uh, what you do at Metro, MetroSAR specifically within our corporate, corporate social responsibility, our CSR initiatives and the CARES program. So especially as the holidays come up, um, we wanted to chat with you a little bit more about the initiatives that we we are doing as a company at MetroSAR. So if you could take a moment to uh, tell our listeners what's on the what's on the forefront for the CARES program. Yeah, so our CARES program is really 
just a pledge to support communities and organizations that uh, align to our values and that our employees are passionate about. Um, also driving positive change, investing profits into the future of communities, just building a better tomorrow. So just trying to be better. Um, so that's kind of vague. You can take so many organizations that are doing so many great things. It's it's nice to be able to help so many different um, fundraisers or nonprofits. Uh, we've done everything from Toys for Tots to food drives, Pride, um, different kinds of marathons for, there's like the Marine Corps Marathon and there's all sorts of stuff. So it's exciting to be able to help all sorts of little, you know, pockets. Yeah, I so I, I can definitely attest uh, for the Pride Funders, you definitely, like, you, you reach out to, for some of the organizations that I'm involved with. So I love that the CARES program isn't, they're, they have personal connections to Metro Star employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is, um, like, that's just really cool as an employee, your company has your back in sort of the extracurriculars that you do outside of work. <laughs> uh, so... Let's uh, walk through your process. So uh, when the team decides to work on a CARES initiative, where do you start? What questions do you ask? Um, how do you approach CARES differently from different from other projects that might be more corporate-focused or um, like proposal-focused? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty similar to a marketing campaign. You want to really um, know your audience, figure out if you want to have social media or not. Um, It always helps to have social media to promote um, what you're trying to do to raise funds for. Um, If there's an event that your fundraiser is tied to, it helps to know if it's in person or virtual because that makes a huge difference. Um, And then also like how you want to collect funds. This is something that really tripped me up. I think the first time I started a campaign or not started, but like was really driving the campaign by myself um, and trying to like plan out all the pieces, um, taxes, people. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you kind of just hope that you can create something, get it printed or get it created. And then people just throw money at you, but people actually want to keep track of things for tax purposes. Um, not just as a company, but if someone donates like a hundred dollars, they're going to want like, you know, an official receipt that they can write off, um, during tax season. So, there are certain platforms that make it super easy, but just something to keep in mind. Um, of course, you could, I'm sure there are other ways and you can do through Venmo and stuff, but um, I think at a larger scale, it really helps to have a platform that kind of deals with that for you. Um, I think that's a huge one. But um, for everything else, I think the swag part kind of comes last. Like I, for me, that's the most fun. Um, but getting to know your audience, knowing, you know, the timeline, don't make it a super long timeline. Um, kind of keeping it at like almost like a sprint, like plan out exactly what you want to do just to make it as seamless as possible. That's awesome. I love how you and I are both like, oh, that's yeah. a good point with taxes. I really thought you're gonna be like, you know, like, can you use Venmo or like, how should you be collecting the money? Not like, oh, crap, the adulting part <laughs> of it. Taxes. Yeah, I. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> it's not fun, but you got to do it. But. Yeah. Uh, so then um, what would you like? 
how how do we come up with who we're going to support or like these initiatives i know maybe now we're sort of on like a like an annual basis with some of them like toys for tots we do at the holidays stuff like that um how how has that now that you've gotten the program kind of off the ground what was it like at the beginning with coming up with things and then adding new programs and i guess as we still go through so when i first started um, at Metro Star, I think it was like six and a half years ago, there are already some organizations that we supported um, on a yearly basis. And I think through each one, it was brought up to us by an employee, like someone was really passionate and then they kind of brought it to the table. And I feel like that's still happening now. Um, it's really hard not to say yes to everything. Like, oh, of course, that sounds great. Like, I would love to help, you know, X, Y, Z. But you also can't have 30 fundraisers stacked back to back in a year. Employees will just get um, fundraiser fatigue and you'll kind of see engagement start to drop off. So um, even if you don't do the same ones every single year, I think for the upcoming years, we're kind of trying to plan and cycle through different ones um, just so they're not all stacked together around the holidays. For example, Um, you don't want to have, you know, three fundraisers in the span of like a month because people will probably engage with the first one and then kind of drop off. Um, so that's a big one. Just try not to stack them all together. What would you recommend is like a good, like amount of fundraisers throughout the year? Like, is it four of them that are spread out throughout the year? It depends. So depending on, so our biggest fundraiser, I would say, is with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Um, this year there was a ball and then there's also a light the night walk in Reston Town Center that we always do. Um, and that one is our longest one. And it goes, it runs for about a month, maybe longer, um, depending on when we kick it off. We it The event is usually in mid-October, so we kick it off end of October, early December, and try to have it run for a month. Um, just so it's fresh on employees' minds. They're getting updates about it constantly. And we kind of help kind of gauge and steer like, oh, okay, so this is our big, this is our biggest one. Like let's raise as much as we can, kind of like a sprint. Um, and then there's much smaller fundraisers, like trying to get, you know, folks together for a 5K and like, hey, we're going to order these t-shirts. It's a much smaller lift. We post about it on social media we're still raising money and getting awareness out, but it's not like a month long campaign. Yeah. So it kind of depends. Um, I would say like, I don't know if there's like perfect number to have. Um, ideally, you know, it's changing up every week and we're like, all right, fundraiser, 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 helping everybody. But maybe once a quarter, um, I think like we were talking about earlier, there's, there's always some around the holidays, but there's also a lot in, during the holidays, but you kind of need to spread the love throughout the year. So maybe trying to find some of the smaller ones to do, you know, the other half of the year or like during the summer we have pride and then there's some slower months that don't really have anything associated with. So I think for planning, kind of sprinkling in some of the smaller easy lift campaigns or fundraisers. I'm calling everything a campaign because it's just like marketing brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, the, um, the one that I, I mean, I, I look forward to all of them that we do, but specifically for the holidays, I love that we do Toys for Tots. I think that is just like, I think it's really nice that we do. I'm 
you know, but um, so for people who are listening and maybe want to get involved with something like Toys for Tots, how that's like a little bit like people kind of recognize toys like Toys for Tots. Like, um, do we how do you like start getting involved with something like that or do we do it like sort of individually and then just like go to a drop off location? So for our company specifically, um, and I think you could kind of just start it up as a group and try to collect as many toys as you can and then um, organize for someone to do like a big drop off or there, I'm pretty sure there are um, like drop off locations for anyone to get involved. You can probably go to their website and find a really close location. Um, Yeah, it's I think nationwide. Um, So I think depending on, and this goes for any fundraiser, there are usually local chapters, depending on how big the nonprofit is. Um, You could find a chapter close to you and then reach out to them, see how you can help. If you can't give any money, like a lot of times, like just volunteering your time is a huge help because I mean, the more hands, the better. Um, I'm sure for Toys for Tots, they need people to help collect the toys. Um, I know for Metro Star, we've always just collected everything at um, at our headquarters and then we'll do, we'll organize like, you know, taking the truckload of toys over to the drop off. Yeah. I walked in this morning. Uh, we, for those listeners watching, we, we recorded at uh, HQ in Reston and I walked in and all like yeah. a lot of the toys uh, that have come thus far. Like, I keep oh. forgetting you're at HQ. It's the, the studio's <laughs> throwing me off. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm. I um, like I said, I always look forward to that one. I think it's like a really kind one that we do. So uh, thanks for for organizing us on that one. Yeah, everyone loves helping kids, and if you don't, you got to reassess your life. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> um. So I had a question. I thought you were going to touch on it, but how does someone? Or like, what's your advice to someone out there who wants to bring something that they're passionate about? to their companies, um, what is that, the Corporate Social Responsibility Initiative, how do you go about it? Like, I know you said, oh, like, a lot of people come to us. I honestly wouldn't have known to, like, email marketing. I probably would have started with Maria downstairs, uh, right, just because that's where I've, like, seen the Toys for Tots or we've done the Thanksgiving meals um, before. Uh, But, right, like, or now that we're remote, right, not everyone even sees everyone who's, like, part of how it's all done. Um, yeah. What's your advice for how does someone bring it to their company? I think for starting, if your company doesn't have any sort of corporate social responsibility program, um, I think it's easy to get one started. You kind of just have to be the person to say, Hey, I think this is a really great idea. Here are, here's, one fundraiser that I want to start or one organization that we could really help make an impact for. And then kind of just keep cycling it up to whoever's ahead of you and be like, Hey, I think this is a great idea. I'll take the lead on it. Um, and then try to get resources. Luckily I didn't have to do that at MetroStar. It was kind of already in place. And I kind of just get to like help heavily with it. Um, but I think for me personally, if I wanted to start a campaign, I'm not in charge of budget. I shouldn't be allowed to be in charge of budget. I would still have to get approval from someone and be like, oh, like, this is a great animal shelter. Oh, I would love to have an animal shelter and make little bandanas. <laughs> That's in the future. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll get one for Layla. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Tate would get right? one. Right? 
So I think you can put some, if, if you're going in kind of like without any experience at all, maybe take a step back, put some materials and resources together. Like this is the company, this is their mission. This is why it's important. Like, I think it would really help or it aligns to the company's values. Or if you're not a part of a company and you just want to do this yourself and start, you know, something smaller um, and start to kind of treat it as a campaign. Like, this is what I want to raise money for. This is why swag, you know, social media, trying to figure out just like the pieces that goes into it. And there's a lot of pieces in taxes, but you can start <laughs> smaller. Like, I don't like to go on and on about taxes, but that's an important part. <laughs> <laughs> You're drilling at home today. <laughs> and I'm really bad at taxes. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of touched upon it, but, um, you, you and I have worked together on an initiative for rainbow families, which for people who are everyone in this uh, room knows, but, um, I, on a board for rainbow families, which is a nonprofit that, uh, empowers, connects and educates, uh, LGBTQ families. Basically like, I like, as people know, like I just had a baby, uh, for queer families, it's a little more scientific than other families. So uh, that's um, the board that I'm very involved with outside of work. And uh, Metro Star has kindly for the last two years supported Rainbow Families as part of their Pride fundraiser. So uh, what was uh, what was uh, doing the first year? We did a t-shirt. And then last year we did like a swag bag. Uh, what was the uh, design process like for you? So the design process for the Pride campaign, so fun to work on. But I, I don't even think that T-shirt was our first, um, like our first option. I think we were originally looking at like tote bags or, um, you know, hats or something. And then we learned very quickly how crazy people go for T-shirts or just clothing in general. People love T-shirts. And it's kind of surprising we're like, oh, you know, we could do this or this. But people are constantly asking for T-shirts, like even outside of, um, you know, CARES initiatives. I don't, people are just crazy for sure. We need a T-shirt cannon at MetroStar. <laughs> and I think that would really hype people up. But the design process is kind of like, you pretty much need to figure out what you want to create before getting too much into the design because you can't fit a design the size for a t-shirt on a hat. Like a lot of times you got to like tweak it. Um, so I think we were originally looking at like canvas bags and then um, settled on t-shirts and got really excited about, everyone else got really excited about t-shirts. <laughs> um, and then for even outside of cares, my favorite thing to do before starting on anything design is just putting together a mood board, just kind of like having the idea oh, in my head. Cool. Yeah. I, and it's just, it's easy. You just take a sheet of paper. You can do it. Um, I usually do it on like PowerPoint or Keynote. Um, just getting pictures from Instagram, Dribble, Google, wherever you want. And putting all of these images together. I try to do as many as possible. Um, I would say start with six, go up to like 15, maybe more. Um, and then just kind of let those ideas kind of like blend together, marinate a bit. And it will kind of like influence a design further down the road. 
And I think what also helps is when I make a mood board, it's usually for a campaign and other people are involved. I'll send the mood board to other people and just like put together a mood board, take a look, let me know what you think. And it'll usually spark ideas from other people and they get like super jazzed. Well, I don't like that I just said jazz, but like they get <laughs> super psyched on like one aspect of the mood board and then it can kind of um it can kind of influence the design further down the road and it just makes it a little bit more collaborative um, versus just like starting from scratch and staring at a blank sheet of paper, I think is so daunting. Uh, so what tips do you have for making like the quote unquote right choice when you start to doubt yourself or uh, what questions do you ask yourself or the team to make sure that you're going in the right direction of creating swag? So I doubt myself all the time <laughs> and I think that's fine. Luckily I have a super supportive team and I think a lot of designers can relate to this, but even just like as a, a tidiness thing, you normally don't realize typos or mistakes until after you like export and do a test print. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Gosh. So it always helps to have so many, as many eyes as possible on your design. So if I make something and I send it to the team, there's a really good chance they're going to be like, oh, you actually spelled fundraiser wrong. And this is like shaped like a, a butt or something. And like, this <laughs> isn't a pro we can't, this isn't it. And so you kind of just go back like, oh, all right, well, that was, that was my first draft and we're going to iterate on it. And it's just going to get better. It's usually not the first design that's picked. Um, I think it just helps to go back and forth and like I said, have as many eyes on it as possible. And like, you're not going to agree with everyone. Some people are going to have advice that you're just like, well, that doesn't really make sense for what I'm trying to do, but thank you for your input. So I would say my advice for designing is just having at least someone you can bounce an idea off of. Cause I feel like that makes such a difference. Versus just like doing everything by yourself. Yeah, I think you totally hit on it. Um, I think it's really important, especially for more novice designers. Like, right, that first design, you might love it. And right, you did so much taking that blank space and making something. But right, it's not going to be that. You have to be willing to like let it go, you know, save it. You know, if you're really that attached, but like you have to be willing to move pieces around, you know, reiterate on it. Because that's how you do get to really good designs. Gosh, as that's that's not a designer, I feel like I feel like the emotional toll right now of like having to like say goodbye to something yeah. you worked so hard on. But, yeah, yeah, you light it on fire yeah. and then never look at it again. Some stuff, it's really like that. It's like, well, I thought this was cool, but I guess I'm not cool. Yeah. I, I think like you kind of develop. Not, I would say like not a thick skin, but you just. You have to let things roll off your back a little bit easier because like not everyone has the same style either. Like some people might be like really into colors that you're just not a fan of, but you kind of like it. Everyone's going to have an opinion, but you're designing for a specific reason. Like we are making this hat for this fundraiser. I don't know. I said it could be anything. You're making something <laughs> specific, but if it works for the fundraiser is just like, or like you have to keep something in a specific like brand guidelines. It's not, yeah, not everyone's going to agree, but there's usually a happy medium. Nice. Yeah. But it is like, 
I feel like if you do start, like Allison said, it's not like a thick skin, but you start to associate, right? It's not, you need to have your own hobbies of like what you do. That's like, great. The color palette you like, the style you like, that like, it doesn't really matter about anyone else's opinions because right, I made art for my house or like wherever I'm at. Um, I made it for me that when you're then doing the design for at work, right? Where Allison's saying you have certain like requirements or needs, um, other opinions that like, yeah, they just, they get to get in there. You just, right. It's not a thick skin. It's just like, okay, this has a different purpose in my life. And it's not like my cherished child over here. It's, yeah. It's not, yeah. it's usually nothing personal. No one's, yeah. <laughs> someone's rarely trying to hurt feelings on purpose. Yes. Yeah. So you just keep that in mind. Yeah. And like also, like I've worked with both of you with like your designs. So like, like your first drafts are beautiful. So like, uh, maybe okay. that wasn't the maybe that was just the first draft you saw. Oh, right? maybe, maybe. The public eyes, right? Just yeah. for the public eyes. Don't look at my sketchbook. <laughs> All right. So uh, a few more uh, quick questions for you. We've touched upon this a little bit, but is there anything that you've learned to avoid um, designing while designing for cares? um but shapes that's what i yeah try to be try to be as pc as possible you don't you're kind of designing for all ages um but i think not going so much as to like things to avoid designing but avoid saying yes to absolutely everything um you don't want to pile too much on your plate because then it's like uh you're losing quality and you're just you know you're losing quality if you're trying to up the quantity too much. Like if you have the budget to, if you don't have a, like a, a large budget, but for whatever reason you're going to an event that has a thousand attendees, just because it has a thousand attendees doesn't mean you have to get the absolute cheapest water bottle that's going to melt in the sun or <laughs> not even know, the dishwasher. The, it doesn't yeah, even make it cheapest, to the dishwasher. <laughs> it doesn't even make it to the dishwasher. So I think like making quality you know swag items that people are quality swag (laughs) items that people are actually going to take and you know appreciate like oh like this has your company's like brand on it or you know if you're doing it for a charity you don't want someone to like like wow i paid 50 dollars and this fell apart it's kind of like i mean you're still trying to raise money but you don't want to you know it's also bad for the environment some of the the keep going back to those water bottles but if it's not dishwasher safe i don't want it (laughs) well yeah and i'll say like for the the quality um so my mother-in-law uh got the rainbow family's pride shirt that you that you uh created for the fundraiser and she wears it every time she comes to like she's always wearing that t-shirt like dc michigan she loves that (laughs) t-shirt glad to hear it Uh, and then, um, how does design help employees get involved with the CARES program? So people get really excited if you hear, if they hear that, um, we're going to be selling, you know, really cool items. Like I said, people love a t-shirt, but if people want to get involved and a lot of times people love the organization that you're fundraising for, and they'll just come to me like, how can I get involved? How can I help? Like, I don't have a ton of time, but like, I would love to help any way I can, which is great. Like, even if people don't want to help contribute to what the designs are, like, that's another person to bounce ideas off of. 
because there's a chance that, you know, they've been a part of fundraisers or organizations and like they have some ideas. Um, so I think opening it up to the companies like, hey, this is what we're doing. If you want to help, get in touch because the more diversity, the better. Like, obviously, you want to have everyone on board and, you know, it just helps to bounce ideas off of, you know, a committee rather than like two people. So nice. I love that comment about diversity and bringing more, you know, voices into the, mm-hmm. the project. Sorry, sorry, I did not need to cut you off. No, you're fine. That's it. I just love, I'm all about the DE&I. We talk, chat about all the time, so I love hearing. Uh, so as we wrap up this conversation, I have two final comments, and maybe, maybe Marie will have another <laughs> question, but um, how would you define success um, as a designer for CSR or, um, you know, a different company, CSR, or the Art Cares program? So success obviously looks so different. Um, even the same charity or fundraiser, you know, two years in a row. We learned that t-shirts do a lot better than almost everything else that we've tried. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and I know it's a little bit tough because of, you know, with COVID and like things being hybrid events, in-person events, um, we kind of learned some things through that for the future. But I think as long as the organization didn't lose money from your fundraiser, it's a win. Um, you're still helping. And that's through CSR. I mean, you know, I think in CARES, I think as long as you're trying to do better, that's still a win. And, you know, don't give up. <laughs> if it, if you like, if your campaign didn't, or if your fundraiser campaign didn't do so well that year, just iterate for the next year and like, you know, go back to t-shirts. <laughs> it's t-shirts. It's t-shirts. 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 <laughs> I have t-shirts. heard. Yeah. And I've heard that the t-shirts are very soft all the time. Yeah. I, I, as someone who wears it, yes. <laughs> yeah. Quality. <laughs> uh, so you two talked a little bit about this, about advice that you would give to more novice designers coming up having a little of uh, it, it's not personal, um, but I'll ask both of you this question. Um, what advice would you give to a young designer coming up in addition to not personal? <laughs> um, advice. So I feel like I kind of learned this and you, I mean, every job, every company, you know, it, it's all different agency. You're kind of going to learn the brand, the brand guidelines, who you're designing for. It could be different every time, but I think just don't be afraid to ask for clarification or if you're not totally getting something like, um, I, I just need like, some clarification on this, like we're designing for, you know, X, Y, Z, and like, this is the audience. Um, how can I do better? Like, again, try, yeah, just let things roll off your back. It's usually not personal. You're going to learn as you go and just ask for feedback. I think I ask for feedback on almost everything. It's probably really annoying, but that's how things get better. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I think mine is very similar. Um, it's right. Like coming in and being like humble, right? Like asking for that clarification, asking for the feedback. Um, I feel like, I think I, um, I don't know the word right now. Um, 
But I think it's very much in like the UX roles, like, oh my God, we have all these things. And like, oh, I really know the user, but like having that humility to ask, right, your stakeholders and that they can all teach you something as well as what all that you learned at school or even any training that you've done, having that humility and being humble to ask for feedback and that we can always grow. Yeah. And just don't come in cocky. Awesome. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Agreed. Uh, so, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. My final question, or our final question to you is, uh, where can designers or lovers of great comics, as you've been in animal designs, find you? I'm going to look at you, look up um, on Insta for you, but uh, let us know where we can find you. Instagram or in person. I'm in Portland. <laughs> you What's just- your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is Allison Tori. T-U-R-I. Um, maybe you can put it in the show notes or something. It would be good to link out the artists that I was talking about earlier, too, if anyone wants Figma tips or to check out really cool 3D yeah. illustrations. Awesome. We will definitely do that. And with that, if um, our listeners are interested in getting involved in MetroStar's CARES program, as an outsider right now, we are working with the Marine Corps on their Toys for Tots fundraiser, which we've talked about today. Uh, this is a national organization that donates toys to underprivileged families during the holiday season. We'll drop a link in the bio as well for donating. Awesome. And then this is Mock It. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And join us next time if you're interested in learning more about how government and tech collide. Visit MetroStar.com and follow along on socials. Why are you so, why are you so wet? <laughs>